Welcome to the fourth episode of our podcast. And if you've seen the title on Instagram today, we're talking about salvation next steps. So salvation is a fancy word for accepting the Lord into your heart and being saved. So basically, I've compiled a list of five things to do after you get saved. And I encourage you, if you already do these things or if you already are saved, to send this podcast to someone. Have someone else that you know just got saved listen to it. Or use this to teach another person all these steps into what to do after you get saved. So I want to start off by saying salvation is way more than just a prayer. Now, we didn't earn, we we can't earn or buy God's gift of salvation. Like we did nothing to earn. We did nothing to earn it, but God still gave it to us. Just like it says in John three sixteen, God gave his only begotten son. And the reason he sent his son to die on the cross is because the Bible actually says the wages of sin are death. And he sent his son to take the sin out of this world on the cross dying. But then he Jesus still rose three days after. And then that's the whole Easter Sunday thing. But even though you received that salvation that Jesus paid for, you have to do step there's steps after that that you have to do to maintain your salvation philippians 2 12 says work out your own salvation with fear and trembling so this is meaning you're saved you've already accepted jesus into your heart but now you have to maintain it and live a righteous lifestyle like the bible says but you still shouldn't be afraid of losing your salvation Because in the next verse, Paul says, For it is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. So this is saying that he placed a desire to do what, what God wants you to do and to do what pleases him. And God has given you this ability to live that righteous lifestyle. He's, he says he will put a desire in you to do his works and to do his pleasure so he's already put this ability in you to be able to do it i want to read a verse first corinthians ten twelve. it says so if you think you are standing firm be careful that you do not fall no temptation has overtaken you except what is common for mankind and god is faithful he will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so you can endure it. So this is saying God's always going to God's always going to give a way out when he allows temptation. But he has to allow that temptation first. It says that he won't allow a temptation greater than you could bear. So he already gave you that ability. He already gave you that way out so you can endure it. And you're not alone in Hebrews 4.15. It says, Jesus understands every weakness of ours because he was tempted in every way that we are, but he did not sin. So Jesus understands whatever you're going through, whether it's an addiction, whether it's sin, whether it's whatever it is that you might be 
being tested with, you have a way out. And God understands what it feels like because Jesus is God. He's part of the triumvirate, which is a three-way rule, but it's the Godhead, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. They're all God. I'm not going to get into that today, but maybe one day in the future. So God understands that feeling of being in that temptation and just wanting to get out. And that's why we have an ability to we have an ability to get out because God still wants you to be righteous. He still wants you to be under his love. That's why he's given you grace even when you do mess up so that you can come back to him and try again. But he doesn't want you to abuse that grace. Like there's a term, there's a common term among Christians it's called greasy grace. I don't know if you're familiar with it, but it creates a mindset of I can sin because I have grace. They're saying that they can sin because Jesus died on the cross for that sin. So they have a right to it. But that's not how God wants you to live. He wants you to live righteous and holy. He doesn't want you to be someone who uses that greasy grace as an excuse to go out partying on a Friday night or do that thing that God doesn't want you to do and you know he doesn't want you to do. So that's the first thing. Greasy grace isn't, it's really not a lie conjured up from the devil but you do have that grace just in case you mess up you don't want to mess up but just in case you do you have his grace so you could try again and then try again until you get it right and then you're golden and that grace will never ever run out and you have it Every day in the proportion you need, it's like joy. Joy renews every day. You just have to receive it. You just have to receive that grace. You just have to receive that God has fought in the battle before you. Like it says in Deuteronomy 20 verse 4, For God the Lord is he that goes with you to fight for you against your enemies to give you the victory. So he's gone before you. So you could go, so you could push through that fight because if God wasn't there to already fight that fight for you, you would lose. And I believe at this time, like I said it last podcast episode, that we really do need the Holy Spirit and God to be able to push through whatever it is. But... He will always give you a way out, and that grace never, ever runs out. So, not that you're saved, or now that you rededicated your life to Christ, here are five things that you should start, that you need to start doing. Number one is read the Bible. So, the first point of, like, what to do after you get saved is reading the Bible. God gave us a, the Bible to, for a way to get to know him and basically instructions for our, our life. My pastor said it once like this, the Bible could be an acronym for basic instructions before leaving earth, B-I-B-L-E. 
It teaches you how to live righteous, what you should do and what you shouldn't do. And it basically prepares you for heaven in a sort of way. And the Bible really dictates our Christian lifestyle and our world 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 view towards different things. And it's really the final word for us. It's the final say. And if you don't know where to start in the Bible, I'd start with John, the book of John, because that's where you first read about the story of Jesus, how he was born to Mary and how he died on the cross for for us and how he took the sin our sins away and how he is the savior of the world and i could really if i was preaching on south if i was really preaching on jesus on the cross and then jesus rising again i could go for 3 days i could go for 3 weeks i can make I swear I can make a seven. No, that's not enough. I can make an, a 1000 episode podcast on just the books of Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, because it's really so amazing how the savior of this world, God sent his only son to be the savior of this world. It, it really boggles my mind because just to think of how much parents love their children, you know, like they love their children so much. They would never want anything bad to happen to them. But yet he still sacrificed his only son so that we could go to heaven and live with him. But one thing you need to realize as I'm going into these next four points is that these things don't make God love you more. It's it's the act of just getting to know him. He does I want to get you get you to know this. God loves you already to the maximum extent. And he loves you because he made you. He loves you because he's the creator of the universe and he made you in his image. And it's it's really great because God will never love you less one day and more the other. God will always love you to the maximum possible degree. And all of these steps literally help you to get to know your God and ultimately your heavenly father. The second thing you should start doing after you get saved is pray. Now, prayer is so much more simpler than it could sound sometimes. Prayer is basically talking to God. It's how we communicate to him. And it's also how we open up our hearts for him to change us and how we keep focused on him. And I really think a lot of people overcomplicate prayer when it's really as simple as talking to God, talking to your father. But I've given, I've gotten three little subheading type things and each of them has a different thing about prayer that i think would be beneficial in anybody's life from beginning believer to the most saved man on earth the first is prayer is not reading other people's prayer 
So basically, prayers are not reading Hail Marys. Prayer is your own talking to God. That's like that's like if you read off Hallmark cards to your girlfriend or your boyfriend and use that as a way to show feelings for them. It just doesn't work. The the feeling isn't there. The connection between it isn't there unless you have to actually have it come from your heart instead of it coming from a card. Now, don't get me wrong. You can use someone else's prayer to inspire you. You can use what someone else has prayed for, what someone else is believing for to inspire you to believe for your own thing or pray your own way or pray for whatever it is that you need or want in your life. But it has to come from your heart because when you're talking to someone, it's not like you're reading off of a card. Like when you talk to your best friend, you're not reading off of a script. You're saying whatever comes to your mind, whatever flows from your heart, because it says out of the heart, the mouth speaks. And that's what prayer is also. It's literally just talking to God. The second prayer subheading is that we can pray wherever and whenever. It doesn't matter if you're in your bed, in the shower, in your car, on the bus, going to school, on an airplane, going on a vacation, anywhere and wherever and whenever. So it's just like you can talk to your friends. You could send a text to your friends whenever and wherever. Because God is always listening. He's always waiting for you to talk to him because he enjoys your company. It's just as a matter of you speaking to him. I like to look at God as my best friend and not only as the benevolent creator of the universe, but I like to look at him as someone I could talk to, someone I could pour my heart out to because God's always eager to hear out what we're going to say. You don't have to be in a church to pray. And no one has to do the praying for you. It's always you and God. And once you get that it's you and God and not Jimmy and God for you, that's when your that's when your spiritual walk with God just starts to level up monumentally. It's when you hit that level of wait, hold on. That's their connection, not my connection. I need to get a connection. And you can just start with talking to God like you're talking to your best friend, telling him all the little things, because the third subheading is God cares about every small thing you have to talk about. You'll never annoy God with your prayers, and nothing's too small for him to care about. In fact, he cares about the small things in our lives as much as the big things. Are you thinking about buying a new car? Are you thinking about buying buying a new phone? Are you thinking about going to a new school? Are you thinking about moving? Pray about it. God will always give you the answer. He wants you to pray about it. In fact, James tells us 
that if we need anything, if we need wisdom for anything in life, all we need to do is ask God and he'll give it to us. And that's coming from a very wise man who wrote this, which just looking at it, you could see, man, that's deep. He'll give it to you if you ask. It, the Bible says, asking you shall receive. So if you just ask for it, you will, you will receive it. So just cling your expectation onto whatever you're thinking about. Hey, I don't have enough money to buy this car. It's all right. I'm putting my expectation on God because I asked and I shall receive. See, God doesn't prefer certain people more than others. He won't say to you, you're not Billy Graham. So forget it. He won't say to you, oh, you're not. Just insert your pastor's name here. Um, you're not Pastor John. You're not Pastor Terry. You're not Pastor Tyler. You're not Pastor Kyle. And I could go on and on with names, but I won't. No, but God does not play favorites. The only condition to this is when you ask God for wisdom, believe that he will give it to you and he will just believe it and you will receive it. I like that. It rhymes. I don't think it. No, it does rhyme and it sounds real catchy. And that's our three subheading that's on uh, prayer. Now, the third thing, we are back on the five points on what to do after you get saved or rededicate your life to the Lord. The third thing to do is go to church. I know some believers and some non-believers think that going to church is optional. But the fact is that it really it's really not optional. The Bible says in Hebrews 10:24, and let us consider one another in order to stir up the love and good works, not forsaking the assemblies of ourselves together, as in as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another in so much the more as you see the day approaching. What day is it talking about? It's talking about the day of the second coming of Christ, which I believe is coming very soon. They were saying it was coming soon in the 90s and the 80s, but I believe there's such a fastening in people's spirits, not only mine, but people have, God's just placed a fastening, a I'm coming, be ready in their spirits and they receive that and they're starting to run it out like wildfire. That's the whole reason I started this podcast because I believed God's coming soon. I need to start my ministry and this is what God has me doing to start it. So that's the day that's coming, but you might have an argument of church is full of hypocrites. I do things that they'll, they'll um, judge. That's the word. But there are hypocrites wherever you go, whether it's school, whether it's work, whether it's wherever it is. There will always be some type of hypocrites. And this argument, I want to say it's kind of silly. Because I know for a fact you want to say I'm quitting school or I'm quitting my job because it's full of hypocrites. Man, them hypocrites are going to make me quit my job. 
No, you keep going even though there are hypocrites. The truth is that the church is full of humans, and everybody's on di- different very different levels of maturity, both emo- emotionally and spiritually. Each of these people have come to Christ with some sort of baggage, and some of them come with a lot of baggage. And just because we come to Christ doesn't mean that our baggage miraculously falls off. Instead, he takes us on a journey of taking it off. He takes us on a journey of taking the steps towards taking off our baggage. But it first starts with recognizing whatever it is. It starts with recognizing that you have the baggage. I want to say that. It starts with recognizing that you have whatever it is in your life. And that you need to take it off. And then with that journey with the Lord, he'll take you to places where you have to make a decision. Hey, am I going to take this step to keep whatever it is? Or am I going to take this step to start ripping the baggage off? Am I going to take this step to be free from whatever it is? And that's basically the be- that the beginning of your walk with the Lord is taking off whatever it is and giving it all to the Lord and living righteously. And I could tell you most of the first years of my life, I was walking with baggage and I didn't know it. But then as I began my teenage years, then I then I began to realize. And it wasn't till a while ago where I finally realized, hey, I, I need to get this off if I want to go for the Lord and if I want to move forward in what God's called me to do. And that's the first steps. That's just, that's literally what you need to do. And one thing that really helped me was getting in the word every day, making sure I read at least a chapter in the Bible every day. And that really kept me out of it. That's I believe that's why you should read the Bible, not only because it gives you the instructions, because receiving its principles makes you not want to sin, just like it did with me. And I really can't explain it, but it's just miraculous how reading, how this is the only book that you read and you don't want to sin anymore. But I'm not going off on that today, but read your word and that's and it will make you not want to sin or not want to do whatever it is that you have the baggage of. And my fourth point is get baptized. If you if you haven't found a good church, look research it and pray for that good church pray for a good church pray about it for god to decide hey this is the right church for you or hey this definitely isn't the right church for you this isn't where you're gonna grow just pray about it and i promise you god will tell you hey this is the spot where i'm placing you so that you could grow for ministry or whatever it is i have for you and once you pray for that then that's really where you start to take off because you listen to that word but back on to point number four is get baptized. 
So some people may view baptism as a useless ritual that was in the New Testament that deserves to stay in the past. But I like to argue it with there's commands with both by both Jesus and the apostle apostles to get baptized and also some people say the same thing about the Holy Spirit but there's obvious signs wonders and miracles that the spirit has moved with and has taken place and I wouldn't be alive if God didn't heal me and I've been in moves of the spirit so there's no way that you can say the spirit isn't real while there's people who have ex experienced how very real the spirit is. So there's multiple commands by both Jesus and the apostles to get baptized. And baptism always immediately followed salvation in every instance. But first we need to look at what is baptism. Baptism is a symbolic act that reflects what Romans 6.4 says. It says, Therefore, we were buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so, we should walk in newness of life. So basically, baptism is a way of saying, yes, I was this way, but my sins have been washed away. It's basically reflecting that you're saying that your old life is dead and buried, just as Jesus was buried in the tomb. And that's when you're going down in the water. And when you come up, it symbolizes Jesus's resurrection from the dead. And that through him, we also have a new life and we don't have to live like we did in our old lives and our old self is dead. And now we have a new life in Jesus. That's why people call it being born again, because you're being born again into a new life, into different actions. And that other side, that sinful nature is dead because you received Jesus and now you're taking steps towards it. Never underestimate the power of a symbolic act as a Christian in your life. Because some people could see prayer as a symbolic act, but prayer moves mountains. Prayer is literally what kept me alive. If my mother did not pray for me while I had those holes in my heart, I had holes the size of quarters in my heart. If my mother did not pray for me, I wouldn't be alive. So without prayer, you wouldn't even be listening to this podcast. You wouldn't, you wouldn't even know that this podcast would have existed. So sometimes symbolic acts are, could be some of the biggest acts in your walk as a Christian. And they're really huge milestones in your life as a born-again Christian. So the last thing to do is tell others, tell others about your testimony, tell others about what happened, because there's something powerful about sharing your faith with others. Telling other people about Jesus can feel scary and intimidating, 
but taking that first step to tell someone about your new faith in Jesus is so powerful. And we really went in depth in that in our first episode. If you haven't watched it, watched it and you're really interested in this, watch that first episode and it talks about how to effectively share the gospel and it debunks a lot of excuses people use. In fact, in Revelation twelve eleven, it says, And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb. This is Jesus, his sacrifice, and by the word of their testimony. This is you telling your friend about Jesus. And they did not love their lives to the death. So this verse is saying that people were overcome by other people's testimonies. They were moved by what the Lord did in other people's lives. So that's the end of those five points. But real quick, I just want to pray for you. Dear Lord, I pray that you will use whoever is listening on the other end to really effectively share your word and tell others about what you have done in their life, Lord. And I pray that you empower them to stay away from sin, Lord. I pray that you remind them to read their word. I pray that you remind them that you want to always hear their prayers, Lord. And I pray, Lord, I pray that you remind them of what baptism truly means, that it means that their old life is gone, it's passed away, and their new life is right in front of them, and it's theirs for the taking that they just have to receive it, Lord. I pray that they stay holy and righteous in your sight, Lord. I pray that they become people who really want to please you. I pray that they'll always want to keep pushing forward in their walk with you, God. And I pray that I pray that your glory I pray that you show their your show your glory to them. I pray that you'll give them dreams and visions, Lord. I pray that you will bless them coming in and going out. I pray that your presence will go before them and behind them and besides them, beside them and all around them, Lord. I pray that you make it known that you are with them. I thank you, Lord. I thank you for these people who are listening to it. I pray that you remind them to share your word with others. Amen. So that was the five things that you should do after you get saved. If you have a friend who just got saved, if you know someone who just got saved, whether it's at your youth group, your work, or your church, send this podcast episode to them. And it will really teach them about like what they really should do since they are now saved. And it will give them a point to keep going and it even gave them like a breaking point of, hey, you want to learn how to spread the gospel? Hey, go to episode one. Hey, you want to know how to be expecting? Hey, go to episode two. Hey, you want to know how to say no to your sin better? Hey, go to episode three. 
And that's really where I wanted to have it so that it's not only a point where they listen to the episode and they leave. It's to a point where they listen to the episode and they have breaking points to explore whatever they're interested in or whatever they want to learn in. But hey, that's what we have for this week. Join us next Saturday at 9 a.m. I will be there and I pray that you will be there too. Have an amazing week. Meditate on this. Watch it multiple times if you need to, if you really want to get that word into you. Share with your friends and have a great week. Thank you.